So every time I sing something, I want to know what it means. I want to make sure that my heart understands what I'm singing. And that gives true and pure worship to God. So I started singing this, and I'm like, do I really understand what magnifies mean? What, what does that mean, Lord? So I started praying and asking. And God gave me this vision of, like, just a little kid when they have a magnifying glass, and they're going to look at an ant. Um, it's not the ant who's holding the magnifying glass. It's not the ant who's who's letting that person discover through that magnifying glass what they look like and who they are. It's the person holding the magnifying glass. And I just felt God saying that it's the world who has the magnifying glass. It's the world who's going to look at us and, and see Christ. It's the world who's going to come and look closely. And he reminded me that's not going to be an easy thing. It's going to come through things like persecution and suffering. It's going to come through um, anger and frustration towards us. But the more that that comes and the more the world is looking closely at us, the more we want him to see Christ. The more we want to be able for Christ alone to be magnified through us. He adores you. He adores you. He adores you. He is so proud that you are his child. And he just wants to hang out with you every day. He's like, what are you doing today? You going to work? Can I go with? You going hunting? I want to go with. You going fishing? I want to go with. You working out in the garage? I want to go with. I just want to hang out with you. I want to watch you because I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. I just love watching you. And it's funny because I, I look back to when I did sports. to have my last name on the back and have my dad watching and my mom I mean I'm just I'm sorry just relating it to a dad it just made me want to perform better because I want to bring honor to that name and so as we're going around like you said a magnifying glass people are looking as soon as they know that your name a follower of Christ is on your back, they're, they're watching, but guess what? If you allow him to just be with you all day, you start to do things with excellence. And people are like, oh my gosh, what is it? What is it about you? It's like you have all the answers, you have, you, you have the great attitude, and it's like, okay, well, you really want to know. Because my father's with me, and he's given me all this insight, and I just want to share with you. And, and people will just are so thankful that they actually have you on their team because you just do things with excellence. But he is so proud of you. Today, tomorrow, there's nothing that you could do. And I, I know it sounds weird, but it's like he is proud of you. 
is so proud of you. Um, so talking about the magnifying um, he wants us to allow him to use that magnifying glass to break all the lies find and break all the lies that each of us even though we're here and we we walk with him and we, we talk with him and we read his scripture every day or we try to and we we are in his presence all the time that human part of us that still believes anything we were told growing up or in our work or in our marriages or anywhere in our lives or in school anyone that has any lies he wants to magnify those and break them down and they need to go into the pit of hell but we need to allow that to happen because he's not going to do it without us allowing him to do that. And there's something very strong. Maybe it's just for me. I don't know, but we've got to quit believing the lies and yell at them if you have to. However you would get something out of your life, use that technique to push it out. And as our father, he is so, just like he was talking about his dad and his mom watching him in the stands, he's so proud of us. Even if we screw up, he loves us. But he, just like we for our children, we want, he wants the absolute best for us. And he has it. And he's offering it. And this world is hard, but he can make it so easy. We just got to get out of our own way. I've known that I was supposed to share this since last night. And I've been putting it off because it's one of those things. <laughs> where it was weird to me, so it must be weird to everybody else, right? But it ties in directly with what Cheryl just shared. And I can't put it off any longer. But a couple nights ago, I had a dream. And it was a weird dream, and I had absolutely no idea what it meant. But I, I knew... I knew it was from God and so I wrote it down and I prayed about it and I prayed about it and still had no idea what it meant until last night during worship and we were worshiping and suddenly it clicked and I knew exactly what it meant but in the dream I was in a school and I was in class and our teacher told us you are going to be evaluated on this area this section this chapter
So make sure you study, make sure you know your stuff, make sure you know this. And I went home and I studied and I studied and I studied and I studied. And we went in for the next class period and the teacher got up in front of the class and said, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna have that exam. I, I just don't feel like it. And I was so angry, so frustrated inside because I had had this expectation. I'm realizing now that there are so many different ways I could go with this dream, but I'm, I'm getting there. there. There's more than I thought there was to this. Okay. I had this expectation that the work that I had put in mattered. And I went into the teacher's lounge and I was complaining to the other teachers about what this teacher had done because he had put this expectation on us and then thrown it away. standing up here now I'm realizing there's more than one meaning to this and I'm going to have to share both <sighs> or maybe somebody else is supposed to explain that one So whoever's supposed to expound on that, you're next. But I'll finish what I had originally got. So I'm complaining to these teachers, and, and I'm angry, and I'm all riled up. And I, I walk out, and again, this is where it gets weird. And I don't know. The teacher is sitting on a couch. And the other teachers that I was talking to are sitting there explaining the situation to him. And he turned to me, and he didn't say anything to me. He just opened his laptop, and he pulled up a PowerPoint. And he turned it toward me, and the first page of the PowerPoint said, Are oat milk people ruining our lives? And I know, that's why I'm going, this is weird. And he went to the next slide and I said, and how does that relate to your problem? And I was praying about it yesterday. And it occurred to me, and I realized For anybody that doesn't know, oat milk is a substitute for dairy, for, for milk, for people with lactose intolerance. And I had been thinking about that because I love the taste of oat milk, 
because I used to I worked in a coffee shop for a long time and I've always enjoyed it just the, the taste of oat milk but it upsets my stomach which is weird because it's the opposite of you know what it does for other people but I I've been thinking about it a lot lately and I was praying about it last night during worship and God spoke to me and said there are a lot of people who live and make choices based on the diagnosis of others there are a lot of people that live their lives a certain way because of the diagnosis of others and i'm not just talking about medical diagnosis talking about the lies that say you aren't worthy because that's a diagnosis that you aren't enough that what you have doesn't matter that you can't do this those are those are diagnosis of of you and they're all lies And like Cheryl said, we need to stop believing those lies. Cuz we're equipped. And we win this fight. And God says you are enough You can do this through him You will do this through him And I also believe that it goes a step farther that if there's something that is causing you to make choices and it's ruining your life that dies too that ends now whatever is ailing you whatever is is causing you to lead a lifestyle that isn't working it dies today it is finished it was paid for on that cross and it is done what ethan was just saying as right before he said it um, the lord was speaking to me about what cheryl had said and he said that i needed to share something and in Isaiah 54 in the New Living Translation it says O storm battered city troubled and desolate I will rebuild you with precious jewels and make your foundations and I don't know what the word, lapis lose whatever I will make your towers of sparkling rubies your gates of shining gems and your walls of precious stones 
and I will teach your children and they will enjoy great peace. And you will be secure under a government that is just and fair. And your enemies will stay far away and you will live in peace and terror will not come near. And as I say that, last year, right before the week devoted to God, something happened and the Lord said he wanted me to share this today. And it was probably the best thing, I'm going to preface this with this, was the best thing that could have ever, ever happened to me. I went to a counseling session with someone and she totally said things to me that were so degrading and so hurtful and so Wani and I knew, I knew when she was saying what she was saying that it could be all true because I have a learning disability and I've had it since I was a little kid. And so I, everything like just came down on me. But <laughs> then also a year ago, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to stop being identified by what everybody tells you and what everybody has thought about you. Even my principal when I was in junior high told me I would never amount to anything. But I believed that for so many stinking years. And this last year, my granddaughter, or was maybe a year before that, I was having a really hard day and she came up to me and this was Olivia and she said Grammy are you okay and she gave me the biggest hug I mean I can't even explain what it did and she said you need to talk to Jesus and so I did I talked to Jesus the next morning at church at in, in Yuck, or Joshua Tree I sat there and they were talking about finishing well, exactly what Pastor John preached the other day. And I went, okay, I am getting up there and I cannot be doing this to myself anymore. And all of a sudden I went, okay, I'm gonna agree with that. I want to finish well. I am done being the tail instead of the head. I am done being beneath and not where God wants me to be. I'm done. And so this year was a year of truth for me. And this is a lie that the Lord exposed to me. He said, you've always thought that you were a problem, that you were too much to handle. You're not worth the bother of rescuing, and you should handle things on your own. So I'm a burden. That was a lie. The truth is that I'm loved, and so are you. It is a joy for God to help me, and it's a joy for God to help you. I, I can go to him anytime I want. Did you know that you can go to him anytime you want? I don't have to run away from others. You don't have to run away from others. Every single person here loves each other and they want the best for you. 
God will fix anything I can mess up. <laughs> anything. Because I'm not a problem. And you're not a problem either. The other lie was those who should have cared about me are likely to abandon me and I'll be left unloved. So what I would do was I would just, well, I'll just give, somebody would say, well, even teaching a class, I would say, well, they can do it better than me. I'll just go. And so I would give up my place. But the Lord kept saying, there's a place for you. Did you know that there's a place for you? There is a place for you. He, each one of you has a place and a call and giftings and callings, even if you have a learning disability. God will use that. And God has been there through all the storms. And he knows you. Did you know that there is a, um, it's L. Ra'i, but it's really, it's, it's E-L-R-O-I, and it says he sees all your struggles. That's, that's the father, El-Ra'i. He sees our struggles. He knows me, and, and he knows you, and has said that I'm good. I'm a gift. I'm his workmanship. I'm really, I am a blessing. And God has been telling you this all through many people he has placed in my life. And I wouldn't believe that part. I would not believe it. But now I do. And I believe, as I'm speaking today, that God's doing something in your heart to show you how important you are and what a treasure you are. Um, Tom Ludeman, one time I was back in the back and he came up to me and I mean, he, was, he told Dennis this too, but he said, when you find the treasure that is in you, you will do exploits. And I have hung on to that. That was years ago. And he's, that's what he's saying to you. You are a treasure. You are a treasure. And he wants, he wants to use you. He wants you to use your voice and speak life and truth. And that we can, when we are powerless, even over ourselves, or we, are, we will never use, that nobody else ever see the real me. And I will never have a place where I'm wanted or welcomed. That's stupid. <laughs> but I believe that. That's real. I mean, now I can say it's stupid. I'm sorry if I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but God says he takes our filthy clothes away. And he cleanses us. And he has dressed us in clean garments. He has placed us in the courts of God, God's house. Among those, they're standing. We can stand there. We can stand among other believers. We can stand in the courts of heaven. In Zechariah 3, 4, and 7, we are clothed in righteousness. And the last thing I want to say is that God will teach your children. You know, all of what is going on right now, it's scary in the natural, 
But we have a God that knows exactly what's going on. And he knows exactly what we're walking through. And what he wants you to know is he will teach your children and they will enjoy great peace and that you speak life and truth into them. And that we are secure under a government that is just and fair. And your enemies will stay far away and you will live in peace and terror will not come near because we aren't from this kingdom. Ethan talked about being free. Being free. Kathy's talking about being free. Who wants to be free? We all do. Last night, Pastor John said something, and I started laughing and laughing and laughing. You hit him until he changes form. And that hit me. That hit me. I said, that's what I want to do to the devil. I want to hit him until he changes form. I said, God, what do, how do I do that? I said, God, show me how to do that. God spoke to me last night, and he told me how to do it. Second Corinthians. Chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity unto obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Punishing all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. The disobedient one will change form because of our obedience. When we come to a point where we say, what God said is more important to me than the lie. You want to change? You want to cause the devil to change for him? You want to hit him? And you want to hit him again? And you want to hit him again? Obedience. Every single time. Empower your obedience. Empower your obedience. Knowing that every time you're obedient to God, you hit the devil. Whatever it is. When, you when he brings a lie to you, and you take the word and you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Every time you hit him and you keep hitting him and you keep hitting him. So when, you know, we all have a tendency, want to do our own thing, be disobedient. I want to encourage you, hit the devil. Be obedient. Make him change form. I haven't slept well. God's been speaking to me. I've never done anything like this. But the word that keeps coming is expose. Expose. We are in a loving environment. And we are family. And we're going to help each other. When God exposes the evilness in our heart. That we need to get rid of it. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray now that you would expose what's got to be gone in our hearts.
I just want to share one real quick thing that what Kathy said about L-R-O-I. Is that how you say it? R-O-I. So what stuck out to me, I come from the financial world. What stuck out to me is R-O-I. Return on investment. <laughs> you are God's return on his investment. Amen. You're a return on investment. He invested in all of you. You are all his return on his investment. Amen? Praise God. I love it when the body ministers to the body. Amen? Amen. This is good already. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to have Tom Heitman come up and share the word. And... Uh, we're, we're coming expecting. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Tom, why don't you come? Christ, <clears throat> be magnified in me. Lord Jesus, be magnified in each one of us. Father, upon your throne you are sitting. Your spirit, Lord Jesus, within each one of us, within each one of us who know your name, you know our name. Father, your spirit, be magnified in us so that the work you have that needs doing on earth, on earth, Lord, this earthly plane, can be done as you sit on your throne and your power resides within us. Father, that your will be done on earth. Amen. Amen. You know what's weird? I had no prayer. I had no prayer. When I got, I have a message and I have no prayer. I had no prayer. What am I going to pray? What am I going to pray? Christ be magnified in me. There's my prayer. There's, and, and I was worried, and this is for the military guys and everybody else. I was worried I wouldn't remember that. Because we had a few other songs, a lot, of, a lot of testimony, a lot of ministering. And I was worried I wouldn't remember Christ be magnified in me. And I'm one of them guys that have to tie things out a little bit so I don't forget. CBM, ICBM. Isn't that a missile? An ICBM missile? Christ be magnified. CBM. I just needed the I on the front of it. There's our missile. Christ, there's our missile, right? Right? All right, good morning. Some of you know me, some of you don't. <laughs> My name is Tom Heitman. Um, I've been going here, RBCC, for, since before we were married. 2004, I started coming here. Um, 15 years ago, Carla and I got married. It's my wife, Carla. My son, Simon, and my daughter, Grace. RVC is my, ch my church, and, and I have been a believer for most of my life, near as I know. I was young, tuned in, and not tuned in, right, when we're young and foolish. A believer most of my life, I'm pretty certain of that. Um, but I don't think it made a difference, not a big difference. Not until, I'm going to say somewhere in the early, mid-90s, and I had... Uh, an awakening. 
I was reading my Bible. I had given up on religion, but I was reading my Bible because I knew, I knew, God, there's something here. And while I was praying, while I was reading, I was crushed with an overwhelming 100% revelation. We'll use that word, okay, revelation. I'm going to heaven. It's right here. I'm going to heaven. Religion never taught me that. And, and it bugged me for a while. But I found a spirit-filled church. I found a free-range church. I found, uh, <laughs> I found a non-denominational place to go. And, and they were telling me things that I thought only I thought. I thought, <laughs> it's arrogance, only I knew. <laughs> and they were speaking it. It wasn't this church, no offense. It was not this church, but here I am now. Here I am now, right? And, and me being up here today is, is a culmination of, I'm gonna call it the last six years where God has been amped up in my life. God, I can't tell you God stepped up his game. I'll tell you I stepped up mine, but I didn't even know I was stepping it up. I, I found a, a program, I found a, a way to read my Bible for real, to pick it up every day, and to read it methodically, but to read it with an open mind and, and to study it. And getting a hold of this in a way that matters is what gave God the grip on me, if you will. And I found myself praying more than I used to pray. I found myself desiring more to be with God than I had before. And all of it tied to, I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading my Bible. And me standing here right now is, is a culmination of that. You want more God in your life? I've said this before. You want more God in your life? Give him more space. He'll take it. And if you want even more God than that in your life, give him even more space. He'll take it. You're giving it to him. He's not gonna not take it. I can say that, right? He's not gonna not take it. Today's message. Today's, I haven't even got to the message yet. Um, today's message, this week devoted to God, which is, as we all know, really a life devoted to God, a week devoted to God, month devoted to God, year devoted. This is a life devoted to God. Pastor John, you asked me a handful of weeks ago to come up here and preach. Um, but the words you used, the words you used, and I don't know if it was very much by design or whatever, but it, it was minister to us. When you're a rookie pastor and your pastor says, minister to us, and you know the room. I know the room, and I know the knowledge, and I know the experience, and I know the spiritual depth that's in this body. You can't really say to me, minister to us. <laughs> but here I am, and I'm going to minister. Everybody that was up, you have no idea. Everybody that came up here and shared, ministering, ministering, ministering. Rock solid.
It was one of the things I wanted to say. Second thing I wanted to say, Brother Jesse, we were out to dinner last Saturday, and Jesse and I were sharing stories, and we got to talking about this, the week devoted to God, and I reminded Jesse, my bad, I reminded Jesse of what, I said, remember that one time you were talking about the first time you ever got up here and to share, and, and, and you told me about looking out on that room and seeing this, this depth of knowledge and how it was just like, ah, you sh- I should have never reminded you of that story because that got in my head. <laughs> and thirdly, thirdly, you didn't tell me there was a theme. And I know that there wasn't a theme. I know that there wasn't. You said that last night. I trust you completely. There's not a theme, but yet there is a theme. There is a theme, and I want to tell you, we'll get there later. Um, the fact that I'm speaking today and the fact that of the message I have, there is a theme. There is a theme. I'm not trying to oversell my message, truly. <laughs> I'm going to try to do most of this from the first person point of view. God has been, you said, amped up for me the last, give or take, six years. And there's stuff he's been working on with me the last six years. So I'm gonna keep it first person. Because I think what I have, although it applies to me, it does, it carries over. It applies to all of us. I might slip out of the first person every now and again, but that's okay, Um, because like I said, it it applies. And I'm gonna need my water. Um, So here we go. I've called this, well, I don't know what I've called this. (laughs) I think think we're going with something like, I've got work to do. I might call it that, I'm not sure. We'll we'll see. (laughs) It'll declare itself. I already mentioned the fact that about back in the mid-90s when, I, when I, I had my awakening, and then I get to that point where um, I seriously picked up my Bible. And those of you who have heard me speak, which is a very, very small number of people, it's not, I'm not world-renowned, I'm not, I'm not even Polk County-renowned. <laughs> but those of you that have heard me speak, you know it's pretty much going to be, Tom's going to say, read your Bible. Tom's gonna say something about focus on Jesus or Tom's gonna say something about perfected in unity and I'm gonna speak to all of them initially. But there's more to it than that. And those, those three points, read your Bible, stay focused on Jesus, perfected in unity, those three points I always come back to. I always come back to those. To me, they're, they're basic, they're elementary, they're foundational, they're necessary. They are necessary. Um, I I, I just jumped ahead on a bunch. I was kind of tooling the time a little bit, but we're good, we're good. Um, I'm gonna go right to perfected in unity. Or maybe not. Let me, yeah, let me, let me, read my Bible. And like I said, I found a program that kept me going uh, year in, year out. Read your Bible in one year, and I was there, and I was there year after year, and then, and then I changed and uh, just started reading on my own 
through the Bible, sometimes in more than a year, sometimes in less than a year, or just scattered about. But reading my Bible nonetheless. And I'm reading my Bible, trying to stay focused on, on what the Bible's telling me. And eventually I made my way to John again for the umpteenth time. I'm reading John. And I get to John 17, 23. And in John, this is, this is where Jesus is making the high priestly prayer. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for us. He specifically mentions us. Um, but I've, I've read this a number of times. John 17, 23. And this, this one time, I'm reading it. Here are the words. I and them, Jesus Jesus is praying this, so Jesus is saying, I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect, perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. And that verse rocked me. I'm not going to tell you it rocked me in a fantastic way, but there's a little section in there, perfected in unity. I'm the guy that has prayed a number of times, Lord, there's, there's more here than I'm, if you will, letting on. You've designed me for, for a specific purpose. You've, you've got things for me to do. There's a spiritual maturity that I need to grow to. There's stuff for me to do, Lord. I, I desire to be perfected. And he throws me that verse perfected in unity. And I didn't really want to read that part of it because I can be antisocial, a non-people person. I like to be alone. But apparently, according to scripture, (laughs) the only way I'm gonna be perfected is with all y'all. <laughs> Unity requires people. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go off on a sidebar. I do go off on sidebars. I think some of you might know that. Others just uh, keep up. Um, Jonah, Wednesday night. Use, words matter, and words matter, okay? I know words matter. I I've, I've, sometimes am careful about what I say. My wife will tell you sometimes I'm not careful about what I say. Words matter. And some years ago, antisocial, non-people Tom, I needed to get away. I just really needed to get away. I had a number of reasons for getting away. This is pre-Carla. Um, and so I took a trip. I, I've taken a lot of trips, but a kayak trip. I took a kayak trip, and I, needed, I just wanted to be away. And a funny thing, one of the reasons, I gotta back up, one of the reasons I took that trip is because I wanted to be away from people. I had seen enough on the TV, I had seen enough social media, was social media even around then? I don't know. I'd seen enough to just go, you know what, I'm tired of people, I'm getting out of here. And I got my kayak and I went away. And a funny thing happened. Every single person I ran into was a sweetheart. I had people take me out to dinner. 
I had people let me camp in their yards. I had one person let me use their shower, which on the trip I was taking, that was really, really appreciated. Um, But everybody was so kind. And I kept telling people, you're too kind. You're too kind. You're too kind. Until I got to New Boston, Illinois. And I had a moment. And I realized, knowing words matter. Don't tell people you're too kind. Tell people everyone should be so kind. There's the phrase I started using after I, as I, I continued down that river. Unity requires people. Um, unity requires people. John 17, I just read that. So, my third point, perfected in unity, spiritual maturity, perfected. Being everything that God has designed you to be, perfected in unity. It seems elementary, but it's, it's a difficult lesson. We, the body, have to be one. We have to be one in, in harmony. Now, I've got this theory. The reason it's important, uh, it's my theory, the reason it's important to be in unity, and it's start, I've got scripture to back it up, but I've blended them on my own, and if I'm way out of line, somebody can let me know. Truly, truly, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Perfected in unity. I'm going to start, I'm going back to John, but I'm going to go to John chapter 14, and we're going to start at verse 12. Actually, I'm just going to read verse 12. Truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Jesus said that. Next scripture I want to jump to is Hebrews. And in Hebrews I want 12. Do I want 12? Sorry, I want Romans. Sorry, Kairos, I want Romans. Chapter 8, verse 29. The author saying to us, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. To those he foreknew, that's us. He predestined to become conformed to the image of his son that they would be the firstborn of many. Firstborn among many brethren. Jesus said these things and greater. The author of Hebrews said Jesus is the firstborn of many. My theory, my question. These things and greater, we should be seeing these things and greater everywhere if there are many of us, right? If there are many of us, we should be seeing these things in greater. I have a theory, there are many of us. These things in greaters should be happening in a greater abundance. Something's holding us back. Perfected in unity. That's what's holding us back. And I don't believe, regardless of what 
the media tells us, I don't believe Jesus is coming back anytime soon unless we get on the ball and start working on being perfected in unity. Scripture must be fulfilled. Firstborn of many, these things and greater should be happening everywhere. Then Jesus is going to come back. Then Jesus is going to come back. Anyhow, I was kind of brief through the read your Bible. Focus on Jesus. The perfected in unity is key for me. I can't let that one go, and I think it's because I've got a long way to go on just being comfortable in and around people. Perfected in unity. I'm working on it, and I'm not going to stop. But you asked me to speak, and out in the parking lot, when you, I had this kind of moment, was like, eh, I should pray, but I knew I had something. I knew I had something. And Carla and I, we, we, uh, we're doing this, the Truth Project. Um, it's by Focus on the Family. We've done it once. We sat through it. Second time, we did it as facilitators, and we're doing it again as facilitators. And Carla says to me, somewhere early on, the first couple of weeks, just a few weeks ago, you know, Tom, I just feel like we should be doing more. We've, we've sat through it. We've facilitated it. We're showing videos and having discussions, which is fantastic. We need this stuff in our head. I'm coming back to it. Um, but she said, I, th- I think we should be doing more. Shouldn't we be doing more? And that got in my head. And I thought about it. And I'm like, she's exactly right. She usually is. She usually is exactly right. Um, <laughs> But we should be doing more, and I knew we should be doing more, and, and that's when I got my message. I have work to do. I have work to do. And because I've passed over the perfected in unity place, I can step away from the first person point of view now and say, we have work to do. Each and every one of us that are born again, spirit-filled, we have work to do. And that is... That's the main point of my message. We have work to do. The work we have to do is twofold. (laughs) It's an undoing first. I don't want to say first. There's two parts. It's a two-part work. If I say first, you think, well, I got to do this one first, then I got to do the other one. It doesn't work that way. These These two pieces, hand in hand, They run in parallel. The first is an undoing or an unlearning of all the lies that this world has taught you. The second part, the second part is not only knowing who you are, who I am, who each of us are in Christ, but know how to function as the body, who we are collectively perfected in unity, who we are in the body. That's, that's the work. These, these two parallel paths, if you will, have to be done. All the lies of this world began with one lie. They all started with one lie. And I'm going to stop right there, have a little water, and let you think about it. Genesis 3, 5. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. And I believe that lie is the catalyst for every other lie since the fall of man. And this is where Tom goes 
Tom-like. And that, and that lie gave us a two-dimensional world. Not literally, figuratively. Since that very day, we've been living variations of that one lie. Two dimensions, right there at the beginning, good and evil. Two dimensions. And I've been duped. I bought into the two-dimensional theory. I bought into the two-dimensional world. I lived, we live in a two-dimensional world. Lessons we learn continue to reinforce this two-dimensional thinking. Good and evil, good and evil. But the world got a hold of that and they switched it up a little bit. We don't say good and evil anymore. We say good and bad because evil's a harsh word, and we need to gentle that up a little bit. So we'll go with good and bad. Two dimensions, truth and lie. Two dimensions, right and wrong. Worldly definitions, and they keep changing the rules. Two dimensions, for me, against me. And everything, everything earthly pulls us to one side or the other. We're expected to pick a side. Any media, any media, choose your screen, any media is going to send us a direction. Winners or losers. Here's a fun one. Left or right. <laughs> it can't be helped. It's a lie. Two dimensions. What I'm really trying to get to, for everybody to understand, and I think we do, the entire worldly thinking is flawed. We can't, we can't always see it. We can't always see it because we've been raised in it. It's not always obvious to us just exactly what is real, what is worldly, what is spiritual. On the Surface, that's the word I want, on the surface. Carl and I have a, a, pa a pastor friend, a Methodist papper, pastor, um, and I don't really know him that well. Carla brought him to the, to the wedding, right? You get married and now, now you have friends you didn't know you had because the, <laughs> the wife brought him. But this guy, this guy's fun. I have conversations with this guy sometimes and they're just, they're just really fun. And we were talking about this very same thing, the influences of the world. And, and he, he, he's intense. And he kind of got up on his toes and he's kind of like right there and he's going, Tom, Tom, this is the kind of stuff that gets in your head and you don't even know it's there. And he's right. We have stuff up here that we don't even know is right. And yet the work that needs to be done is we have to get rid of that. We have to get rid of the lies that this world has taught us. I was, I have gotten that awareness. I was telling Buddy, Buddy Shackley and I were having a conversation once and sometimes I pick and choose my words in such a manner that you don't always know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I said to Buddy, 
listen, I've gotten to a point in my walk where I'm questioning absolutely everything I learned. And his whole face just went, he was shocked. So I immediately kind of tooled through, what did I just say? Why does he look like that? And it occurred to me, I quickly, once I deduced what was happening, I quickly followed up and I said, except spiritually. I said, anything biblically, I'm okay with. It's all the other stuff I've, I've got up here. That's, that's, I have to question, I have to question it all. So, so that being said, here's another two dimensions for you. Saved and not saved. In the world and of the world. Now those two are kind of synonymous. In the world, of the world, that one's kind of tricky. Okay, because I believe if you have gotten to a point where you're kind of working your way through that in the world, of the world thing, strong possibility you are saved. Strong possibility you are saved. And here's the good part. Here's the good part. Here's the excellent part. Once saved, you're no longer a part of this two-dimensional world. You are Right there, I needed a package. Just bam, right there, and I missed my spot. <laughs> bam! I know, I know. I just, just so close. Everybody's like, yes, yes. Oh, my notes. Um, <laughs> you're part of the body of Christ. I know that. But it's different up here. You're part of the body of Christ. Two-dimensional world goes away. You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the triune God. There's your dimensional breaker. I'm, I'm going to go back to John, Kairos. I'm going to go back to John, chapter 17 still, but I want to read 15 through 18. John 17, 15 through 18. Sanctify them in truth. Again, This is Jesus praying for us. Your word is truth. I'm gonna repeat that one. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. So I wanna back up and go to 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. We're not going anywhere. He's not taking us out of the world, but he is asking that we are kept from the evil one, that we are kept from the lie. They are not, we are not of the world. As Jesus says, I am, even as I am not of the world, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. How do you know when you're dealing with a lie of the world. Read your Bible. I always come back to that one. Always come back to that one. Read your Bible. So, another reason. We read the Bible. Romans. Going back to Romans. Going back to Romans. This is, uh, again... Jonah, I don't, I don't have a life verse, but I can't tell you 
As you mentioned it the other night, and I can't tell you how many times I have come back to, and do not be cor- con- two, one and two, 12, one and two, but really two I want to talk about right now, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable, that which is perfect. Three, it's not a two-dimensional thing. Three, that which is perfect. And that last one, that last perfect, that's the same perfect that's back there in John 17, 23. It's the same perfect. One's a verb, one's a noun, but the same word. They're derived from the same word. They're after the same thing, that we would be perfected. And we are perfected by renewing our mind, getting rid of the world, and we are perfected by working on the body. And that brings me, I said it was two points to the work we have to do, renewing your mind, and who we are in Christ, and who we are as the body. That's the second, that's the second part or the other part of the work that needs to be done. And we can find that, heads up, we can find that in Colossians. In Colossians, there are some biblical instructions for work that we have to do as the member, as a member of the body, as a member of the body. Um, Let's go there, shall we? Colossians 3, 12, through 14. And to me, this is just one. This is just one set of instructions on how we grow to be perfected, how we become the body of Christ, the uh, perfected body of Christ, sorry. Colossians 3. So, as those who have been chosen of God, that's us, that's us, the body, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, again, us, the body, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, also should you. And verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The same perfect, different variation, but the same perfect that we have in John and the same perfect that we have in Romans. It's a new year, it's a new year. And we say, out with the old, and we say, in with the new. I say, out with the old, conforming to the world, renewing my mind, renewing my mind right here. In with the new, perfected in unity. It looks like love, 
It looks like love. It looks like each and every one of us learning how to work in unity. That's the point of, that's the point of our coursework. That's the point of our earthly being so that we can magnify Christ on earth. Dennis said to me once, Dennis, that was just, I don't know why. It was just, it was the way you said it. Where, where is Jesus? Well, near as I know, he's sitting up there on the throne. It was just the way you said that. And I was like, well, that's, yeah. We have the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have the power of Christ. Spirit, the only hands, the only feet, the only whatever that spirit has are right here, are right here. Jesus is up there. We have the spirit in here. We must magnify that way. Out with the old and in with the new. So much so that we don't walk and we don't talk like the world does. We walk and we talk like the body of Christ. We walk and we talk and it all looks the same. It all behaves the same and it all looks like Jesus. The world, we've said this so many times, the world right now is, is walking in fear. I'm not gonna tell you I'm completely oblivious to it. I can't tell you that. But I am a little bit oblivious to some things. Carla would know that too. Um, <laughs> we had some people at the house the other day and I got introduced to them. And, and, and one's name was Jerry and one's name, one guy's name was Joe and I'm just saying their names because I'm so proud I remembered. <laughs> but, but I got the guy that introduced me said, Tom, this is Jerry. I said, Jerry, good to meet you. He said, Tom, this is Joe. I said, Joe, it's good to meet you. And Joe looked at me funny. Okay, Jerry didn't, but Joe looked at me funny and he said, wow, a real live handshake. You all get it, I didn't get it. I didn't get it, I was like, I taught my kids to shake your hand. They look you in the eye and they shake your hand. There's no fist bumping, is that right? There's no high fives, there's no, we don't do that. They do that now, they're with their friends, but when they're with their dad, we shake hands. So this guy was like, whoa. A handshake. And I said, man, you need to meet my son. I teach my kids how to handshake because I'm not that guy. He says, aren't you worried about COVID? And I went, oh, oh, sorry. So I hope I didn't offend you. I didn't even think. You don't shake people's hands. I don't live in fear. I don't live in fear. The world is full of fear. I can't tell you to go out and shake people's hands, but... They need to be shaken. Something needs to be shaken. We need to to love everybody. We need to love everybody. Right? So that we don't behave like the world. We are not of the world. And in loving everybody the body becomes perfected. And when the body becomes perfected, not only will Jesus have a place to rest his head when he comes back, but we will be walking, talking, and sounding like Jesus. 
Yesterday afternoon, I was going over this message just enough to panic myself. <laughs> just that much, right? It, it didn't help that Jesse had planted that seed and that I watered it and nurtured it. That didn't help at all. But there I was panic-stricken. And, and I'd gotten myself into a mental game, right? Because that's where it's all at. And, and, and I knew as I spoke this that if some of you are logical thinkers, most of you are logical thinkers, you're gonna eventually get to that place where I got with the two-dimensional world, which is truly just figurative and I was trying to make a point. You get to that figurative two-dimensional world and eventually you have to pick a side. And I'm going like, man, once you pick a side, unity's kinda out the door, right? Because I'm shunning a whole bunch of others. Once you pick a side, it's over, Tommy. You've just blown your perfected in unity piece out of the water. What are you going to do about that? Jesus never had to pick a side, right? Jesus never had to pick a side. And there was my answer. Jesus never had to pick a side. Think about that for a little bit. Born without sin, never a part of the world, only in the world, never Always sin-free. Always sin-free. He was just in the world. That's all he ever knew. He never lived the lie. He always lived on purpose. And I think because he never lived the lie, it's why he was always able to love. Our upbringing is different. Us earth beings, our upbringing is different. We are born into sin. Born into the worldly world of lies. We have to pick a side. We have to. Once you pick the correct side, you're born again. We've got work to do. We've got work to do. We have to, have to renew our minds to the point that we are proving what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. And we need to grow to be who we are in spiritual maturity, the body of Christ. That's our work. Amen. 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 That's it. Okay, all right. He's busy. I don't know if I got us up to lunchtime or not, but I got to be getting close. I kind of got thrown off with all the testimonies, but I got to tell you, for what was being shared, for what was being sung, I, yeah. I, I, who knew? Huh? Huh? There was no reason for me to panic yesterday afternoon. I see that now. Yeah. <laughs>